Uh, then we are. Yep, can you hear me? I think it's still. Yeah, I can hear you. Oh yeah, yeah. Sorry, uh, sorry. I've been talking a little bit. I, I was still on push to talk. Let me go off of that. All right, God voice activity. Damn push to talk, Harry. Goddamn push no. to talk. No, like push to talk. No, Sam. Like okay, so for twenty seconds, I was talking and like forgot that we were like in podcasting mode and like I, I was out of practice. But and those twenty seconds, Harry. A lifetime happened in those 20 seconds. Uh, if we're talking about accumulated time, how many overall hours do you think I've had to sit and listen to you eat food noisily right next to a microphone? Mm, over under, like, are we talking specifically this podcast or are we talking the entirety of our lives as siblings? Boy. Because, man, if we're talking the entirety of our lives as siblings, like, it's it's accumulated weeks or months you know, I'm not I'm not gonna count like us just eating in the same room. Because that's just, you know, sometimes you're eating with people in the same room. But like if you're sitting in different, you know, rooms in different parts of a city. And noisily eating into some kind of like sound recording device. Yeah, that's taking effort to annoy someone. Yeah, a little bit. Welcome to Brokazatsu, two brothers' exploration of tokazatsu shows and related media. My name's Sam. And I'm Harry. And I suppose I need to apologize to my brother Sam, because he, I didn't make it entirely clear that I was actually posting some of the old podcasts we did together, and I just did that like an hour or so to, ago, and he freaked out. You've got a lot to apologize for this week, Harry. I mean, let's just let's just get right into it. Like, you... You posted an episode of Cannon Chills from, like, ye oldie days of no audio quality and no professionalism. Not that, you know, we're we're better on that front now. Uh, you posted another Ellen episode, which I feel like we should always apologize for that. It, it makes it an interesting mess. <laughs> uh, you also, and Harry, like, this is the biggest apology of all. Like, without consulting me, without, you know, without throwing anything back and forth between your podcast partner, you put out on the feed, on the Twitters, on the Facebooks, that we would cover on our podcast the first thing that someone recommended we cover. Harry, you're from the internet. You knew what was going to happen. Well, uh, all right. Yeah, I... So I posted on Twitter that it's a lateness apology. Also, we had no plans because we, we Sam, you at least were part of us not really knowing what we're doing this week. Uh, and it kind of feels like all the time uh, you say, Harry, you decide. And so Harry decided. And the third thing I said on the post was, Sam's going to regret making me match the social media accounts. <laughs> and uh, I posted it on Twitter at uh, like just past midnight. And I was feeling kind of bad when I did it because it felt like pandering. Uh, because, uh, Daniel K is one of our, like, single-digit listeners, and he's in Australia, so I thought it was pretty, pretty, uh, likely that he would just hop on and grab it. He's active on Twitter. Mm -hmm. Uh, and he, he, he also reviews weird stuff. Like, he, he has a podcast, I think, where he reviews different flavored milk, mm -hmm. uh, that I should probably listen to. And also, you have better flavored milk outside of the cursed land that is America. 
Uh, but nope, someone else posted uh, Sigurd Lombardi, and they requested Hentai Kamen Forbidden Superhero. Jesus Christ. Which is, it's a property I was vaguely aware of in anime, that there was some superhero that had, that wore women's panties on his face, and was like a superhero. I was like, I, I don't need to follow that. Yeah, and, and you were correct. Alright, so Sam, I'm sorry, but I think this is going to be a split decision episode, because I'm going to give a caveated recommend to this movie. <laughs> I'm going to give an uncaveated not recommend to this movie. Or rather, okay, so the plan is we are going to be reviewing some Power Rangers episodes, or some Power Rangers episodes this episode, and also uh, HK, uh, because I was unclear that we were also doing Power Rangers, I thought we were just doing a movie, because it's a movie and we always do movies alone. Uh, I have well, only watched Well, H- okay, Sam, Sam, I'd like to point out, we've always done movies alone, because we've always fucking forgotten to cover the the other show we did at the time. I thought it was like, you know, we, we do about an hour and a half of content each episode. Well, I mean, you were saying you wanted to go kind of light on the coverage for this movie, because you didn't, you were sending me messages like, oh, this is so terrible, Harry. Like, people, we we should do something else, or we should just title the episode, they can skip this one. But no, that's not what this episode is going to be titled. Fair enough. Fair enough. I mean, oh God. And, and, and so you forgot to, so, I mean, it, if we It was not don't... a forget, it was a conscious decision. And also, Harry, like, just to go back a couple more minutes, when you were saying, when you were putting the onus on me to come up with decisions when I asked you what we were going to watch next, I just want to remind you, the entire premise of this podcast is that you are my Sherpa through this land of Tokuzatsu. Like, I I am the person who knows nothing about Toku. You are giving me a guided tour. So it is my responsibility to ask you what we're watching next. And you failed this week, Harry. You failed profoundly. I didn't fail, Sam. You failed. Uh, so are we getting into HK? So uh, it's based on a manga, I'm pretty sure. They give the Marvel, like... I will say, like, the production is pretty high for this piece of garbage. So, first of all, it makes it clear pretty early, this is a straight-up Spider-Man parody, and it goes into that, it, like, it actually, uh, it does okay at that. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, it, They have the Marvel scroll at the beginning where, you know, they're flipping through comic pages, only you're like, oh, oh, this is a, this is a manga that I should not read in public. God, like one time I was reading Mega on an app on my phone on the bus, and somebody was like, hey, is that one of those Chinese porn comics? And I was like, no, it, it's not. I mean, it was Nisekoi, which is almost less embarrassing, because that's just a really shitty uh, romance shonen that I, I stopped reading. But anyway, uh, no, it's... I, I understood none of the words you just said, Harry. Anyway, yeah, this is... Uh, but yeah, the screen, it's like doing the credits stylishly, and there's like lace crossing the screen the screen instead of webs or DNA, like in the Spider-Man and X-Men movies. And yeah. and we are introed on a group of police detectives hanging outside what turns out to be a uh, dominatrix uh, place of business. They go inside, and the lead detective on this case, like, they're chasing, what, like a serial bomber or something? Yeah. Uh, they, they spot him going in, so they burst into a room where a guy is getting whipped by a dominatrix. And the dominatrix is furious that someone's interrupting her session. And so she, like, superpower ties up the lead detective with a rope, pins him to a wall, 
and says, all right, I'm going to start fucking whipping you. She begins torturing him for several minutes in a very gratuitous scene of faux comedy dominatrix stuff. The other detectives arrive and are holding guns on her, at which point the lead detective commands them to leave, says that he can take it, and starts to scream in ecstasy. Yeah, like, they, they pull out guns, are like, hey, you can't abuse an officer, or <laughs> like, we're, we're giving you several warnings before we shoot, and that's, good job. Uh, but, um, the, the cop says, wait, wait a second, this actually isn't, mm, you know, let me go. So, I mean, I knew this was kind of like a sex comedy thing, and the, that means I, I went in expecting, like, some, some bad stuff as far as, you know, playing. And it delivered. Kid. It delivered. Yeah. Yeah, it delivered, but, like, once you accept that's going to be kind of bad about some of that stuff, it's never too specifically bad at one point. Because almost, first of all, almost all of the violence, like, is there, like, any violence towards women? Like, a couple women get punched. Uh, I mean, a lot of people get punched. Like, the punching the punching is fairly non-discriminatory. It's, you know, just everyone in a room gets punched at various points. Yeah, right. Uh, but, no. So the cop, he's up against the wall and his subordinates are like, oh, oh, he's like a legendary detective. He'll be fine. But now he turns into it. And then a voiceover comes up and says, so that's how my parents met. Now that, uh, let's stop right here. That is the one joke. Like, I laughed out loud when that happens. Unfortunately, that was the only joke this movie had for me. <laughs> like, they burnt, they fired their shot in the first six minutes. And the rest was just a slog. Uh, so we cut to the feature where our lead character, Kyosuke, uh, and Kyosuke, he's just like an average dude at school. Like, I mean, he's really big. He's like a foot taller than everybody there. Oh, yeah. They they found a very big boy. Like, also, he's just he's fucking ripped. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. I mean, this... it, become, it becomes extremely clear later on when he's wearing that many clothes. But this guy is in great shape and doing his own oh, stunts. Yeah. Yeah, he, he's uh, just kind of meek at the school. He's in the karate club, but he really can't get any results. Like, he he just gets beaten a lot. Uh, and he's just kind of seen as a quiet, maybe a little dumb guy. With a very scary face. Like, this is second week in a row where our main character's kind of dopey guy with a big scary face. It, it, it actually shows up a lot in, uh, in uh, like, anime and, like, Japanese comedies. Like, it's a fairly common premise. But it, it, it it's... It's done pretty well a lot of the time, so whatever. Uh, mm -hmm. Anyway, girl transfers in, uh, named Aiko, who is also played by uh, an actress who was the... Oh god, I forget her name, but she was the female lead in Kamen Rider 4s. Like the... I thought the, she looked... Wait, wasn't she... Was she the one who joined a cult? Yeah, the, she she did join the Happy Science uh, like uh, religion cult. And kind of... <laughs> They're the ones who like planted like uh, gas bombs in train stations, right? No, that, that's that's the um, Shinryuka cult. Like this, this is just a weird. This is just like a current day Scientology one that like has actors and is trying to do their own movies and stuff. Like I, as far as I know, they don't kill people. They just uh, kill careers. I don't know. Okay, maybe, who, who knows? Maybe it works out for her. Um, but uh, yeah, she's just you know nice girl. She sit next. She sits next to Kiyosuke, who is like immediately smitten with her. Yes, she is the designated love interest for this. She's new at the school, so she decides to become the manager for the karate club where Kyosuke is, and he's he's very happy about that. While he's lying on the ground in pain from having been being beaten by people, he's like, oh, I really want to ask her out, but like, oh, is that too much? Like, we just met, like, do I need to kind of play it cool or something? And while he's figuring this out, she's like, okay, yeah, I'm going home. 
And he's like, yeah, okay, I, I need to figure this out. But on the way home, she gets involved in criminal circumstances. Yes. Uh, it turns out that uh, she is kidnapped along with a building full of people uh, by some... I'm not even sure what was happening here. Was this like a the top story of a bank? Were these bank robbers? Or is this just three random Japanese guys with guns for some reason? I don't know. But yeah, they're, they're three dudes. They're wearing luchador masks, even though they keep pulling them off inside. And they're saying, yeah, we're going to start killing hostages if you don't bring us a helicopter. And... Kiyosuke, he sees this and says, oh, don't, don't hurt her. She's like, that's my girlfriend. And she's like, I'm not, I just met him today. He's being weird. I don't know. Yeah, he's, he's being very, very, very possessive in this scene. It's played for him being cute. But when you take a step back, it's like, dude, you're, you're not, you're not the boyfriend. She's not your girlfriend. You're nothing to each other. No, yeah, he, like the main character is kind of a weirdo and doesn't know how to deal with his emotions. But anyway, he turns to the cop and says, well, bring him the helicopter. And the cop says, uh, this is a tiny side street. We can't bring a helicopter here. So Kiyosuke asks, what, why Why did they ask for one then? And the cop says, because they're dumb. These are dumb criminals. Uh, that one got a slight chuckle out of me. Not a laugh, but a slight chuckle. Uh, so at this point, uh, the main character sneaks into the basement of the building. And he meets one of the uh, villains there. And he gets a lucky shot in. Like, he has been training with the martial arts club. And even though it's not going great for him, he has learned how to punch a person in the solar plexus. Yeah. So the guy goes down, knocked out. And Kyosuke says, oh, well, I, I gotta get in, the, get in there. Oh, he's wearing a luchador mask. I can, uh, well, first of all, he looks for a weapon. So he opens up some blockers and he doesn't find one, but something falls out of one of them. And he says, all right, I need to sneak up to the other criminals, so I'll put on this guy's clothes and mask. You know, decent plan. He puts on the guy's clothes and puts on what he thinks is his mask. Turns out it's a pair of panties. Yep. It's the thing that fell out of the locker. It's like, oh, I put on the wrong thing. Damn it. Okay, yeah, they'll throw something up. I gotta swap it out. But wait a minute. Uh, And starts having, like, the mask transformation. Yeah, yeah, it's very much a Jim Carrey style. Uh, Jamie Kennedy just like spin it around, body transforms, like uh, overemphasized well, also, eyes and face. Well, also like uh, some like infographics pop up of showing like DNA strands and like linking it to a picture of his mother. It explains that normally people can only use thirty percent of their potential, but his limitless pill is uh, women's patties, which activates his dominatrix genes. So with the combined power of uh, of the, his dominatrix and cop father, he turns into hentai common, a very weird superhero. Yeah, yeah. Now, we should take a step, but I mean, so he goes upstairs and he beats up the villains and gets everyone out. Uh, now, let's let's take a step back. Let's have a quick sidebar conversation. So this movie, one of the running themes, like the... The only real running gag in this is that, you know, he is a superhero with panties on his face. So everyone is saying that he's a pervert and he keeps saying that, no, I'm not a pervert. And I want to just bust out a little bit or have a conversation about, you know, identity versus action. So this movie presupposes that there is a difference between a person's actions and a person's identities, i.e. the main character can be perverted and also not perverted inside his heart when actually like once actions are the only thing that matters there is no inside individual identity to a person 
So we can only judge a person by how they act, not their inner self. So you're saying it's not the face underneath, it's the panties they wear? Kind of. And at the same time, like, you know, I don't know if this is... This is always how this gets translated from Japanese to English. Like, you know, the phrase preferred gets thrown around a lot in, like, you know, Tokusatsu Chef and anime and, and all this manga. I don't know why it why that translates so frequently. Like, is that just a collapsing of, like, a million different ideas into a single English word? I, I mean, I don't know, because sex in Japanese media is very complicated. Uh, one... When we, you know, bombed them and took over their fucking country at the end of World War II, one of the things we did was uh, kind of graft a bunch of our legal system onto theirs in ways that didn't make sense because we also did it wrong. Like, they had a statute of limitation for murder until, like, way too recently, uh, and their censorship laws were super draconian. So that's the reason why, like, Jap- that's why tentacles happened, because... Uh, in addition to, like, the reference to that, uh, like, the fisherman's wife or whatever, the old painting. Um, weird stuff in Japanese media that wasn't specifically restricted by the codes got through, which meant that their media was filled with kind of different ideas of, like, sexuality and stuff, with I, which I think kind of has just, through cultural osmosis, led to them having different weird impressions. And also it's a different culture and stuff, you know, but I'm just, I'm just trying to put stuff, I'm just trying to say something other than, you know, mad Japan weird. But, like, it's, there's complicated history here. We also need to get into the subject of, like, you know, s- sexuality and kinks. Right. And there is nothing... <laughs> the, the, the villain has an amazing speech about that later. I'm sorry, but that was a fucking great scene. There is nothing wrong with a person, you know, being attracted to panties. Like, you know, that, that said, like, our hero steals a lot of women's underwear throughout this movie... I mean, like, this is, it's specifically BDSM type stuff. Like, the whole deal is that he's embarrassed about it. And, like, that, you know, his mother was a dominatrix and his dad was a sub. So, you know, he's a weird fusion of those. <laughs> I, Top from weird? the bottom and all that, yeah. We should get we should get on Dan Savage as a guest host to just talk about this movie. Or we really should, because he would probably stab us both on the way out. Pretend it never happened. So, something to make clear, uh, like this is—I mean, this is a heightened comic movie. But when he goes up to beat up the criminals, he's not just like a dude beating them up. He does have superpowers at that point. Like he catches bullets. Uh, he he does crazy like burning energy flying moves where he pelvic thrusts into their faces and stuff. Yeah, there's a lot of gay baiting in this. Like his finishing move is to shove his crotch into like the faces of the villains and knock them out with it and just not great just not great yeah that's not that's not like a great part of it yeah like it, so yeah in the movie like later on there's one like aggressive homosexual guy there's one bad transphobic bit but like there's and there's one like it's not even done though but the, like there's one scene of like hinting at maybe uh assaulting of a female character but like it i i don't know by the standards of anime, I was just expecting them to be way worse. Like, in we've seen we've seen like as bad, if not worse, in individual episodes of the shows we've covered. So, like, it's yeah, it, it, it's like just it, not not so distilled. Like, 
that wasn't like the point of those series. Like I would have bailed on series if that was like the point of the series and not just like it's okay for a series to have a couple shitty episodes so long as the series as a whole is okay about stuff. Like, I mean, and the ones the one series where the problem the problematic elements like, you know, piled up and got in the way, like uh like Ultraman Nexus, Harry, like, you know, how the female characters just kept getting fridged and disempowered in that. We bounced on that because it got to us eventually. And hey, this is this is a 90 minute movie. It's over in 90 minutes, but uh, it was just not sitting well with me. Yeah. Anyway, so he he saves everybody. He makes a big impression as uh, in the translation I read, they called him Panty Man, but he's hentai common. And his, his yeah, Harry. Uh, what does what does hentai translate to? Because uh, I noticed like per- pervert, like perverted or something, or like pornographic or stuff like that. It, it's does it translate I'm, to panty? No, no, it doesn't. Are you sure? Because like, because people were saying like you know we're saying the word hentai, and it was being translated to panty. No, I, that's I mean, common is mask, and panty man neither of those is mask. They they straight up gave him a different name in the subs, but because it's a Spider Man parody. Okay, okay. Yeah, and so the school friend Aiko, like, was, like, shocked by him when he first showed up. I was like, oh, this is almost worse. But by the end of Have it... Have described when... his costume? Uh, I mean, there's not much to describe. He's So he's wearing panties on his face over a luchador mask to kind of, you know, to make it harder to see his real features. And he's wearing, like, a Borat-style mankini and fishnet stockings, and that's it. And, like, that's it. And like the guy, the dude is super ripped, as we've mentioned. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Also, putting on the mask somehow oils up his skin to like a shining sheen. Yeah, like when his powers really get amped up, like the the whole color grading changes to be very bronzed. Mm-hmm. But so I go by the end of it, she's like, "Okay, that was a super weird pervert guy, but I don't know, he was kind of heroic. Like, mm, I'm having conflicted feelings here." And I, this is. This is a really interesting take on a secret identity because I've seen a lot of superhero plots where people have kept their identity secret for a lot of reasons. This is the first time I can think of where the reason is they're just very embarrassed to be associated with their other self. <laughs> uh, it's like Kite Man, if Kite Man had shame, like, would never admit his identity. No, Kite, Kite Man has no shame. Kite Man knows... Catman's right, right where he wants to be. Yes. Uh, and so, I mean, that's just kind of the deal. He he goes and uh, he does, like, random acts of uh, heroes of Barad the City. He, you know, stops some muggers, saves some suicide dudes. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he just becomes a known superhero in the city to, to the point where, like, some cops are just super stoked to see him. <laughs> They're like, hey, hey, it's, uh, it's, it's Panty Man. Yeah, he's fighting, like, the type of low-level crime that you see in a lot of, uh, you know, uh, early Marvel stuff, like like street muggers, uh, saving people jumping off the buildings, uh, just very stuff that the police, like, if they did a better job, they would really be on top of. Well, I mean, it's just stuff he saw on the news, so he would just run over and help, you know? There's not, like... And not attacking like a... any of the systemic problems behind the scenes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's not any organized crime for him to fight. Until. Until there uh, is. Until a group of very clearly middle-aged men show up in high school uniforms to his high school and say, all right, we're going to take over the school. They don't say it at first, but it turns out that there's, like, money buried under the school for some undisclosed reason. Uh, this, 
I have to assume that they went a lot more into the backstory in the original HK manga, uh, because like you could tell, especially uh, in a little bit when they do some boss rushes, like they condensed God knows how many issues of a manga into uh, 10 volumes. Jesus, 10 volumes into a single movie. Yeah, like so I uh, I think like that's 70 issues or so. Wow. Although there is a sequ- there's a sequel movie, so maybe this was only like part of that run. There's a sequel? Yeah. Uh, which I'm not going to make you cover, don't worry. Thank I mean, God. I I got to assume with this type of movie the sequel is very likely to be way worse. So. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, they got but... the budget for one movie and they made two out of it. Hey. hey. Yeah. Uh but anyway, yeah. So it's just this middle-aged man with kind of long hair, and I I do wonder if in the manga he's like a Bishonin type, with just, you know, long, flowy hair. But anyway, if they well, go in, like they... like, ponytails. I wasn't sure... I was not sure if this was supposed to be some kind of, like, cross-dress thing, or if it... Like, I they, think... the characters' designs are confused. I mean, they're directly translated from manga in a way that I actually kind of like just how blatant it is. Like, they, they didn't bother saying, let's make this make sense. They're like, no... This character is basically a robot. Let's just paint some weird lines on his face. And there, there he is. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Tomorrow, he... Uh, I mean, I, I would... The, like, crime boss. He beats up the dudes in the credit club. Uh, and uh, Kiyosuke, he has to run off, leaving I, leaving his uh, classmate there. But then, uh, Hentai Kama shows up and beats them all up. Very Peter Parker running away from, like, an emergency. Uh, that's when the crime boss, he's back at his... At his uh, home base, and he is—I kind of like the way he's portrayed because he's just laid back and really annoyed at the situation. Like he—he's not playing it. He's like, "Ben, what the hell? We gotta—we gotta deal with this guy." I don't know. He's like eating chicken in some shots, and he's like, "Okay, whatever. Just go send some people to deal with it." And what if his subordinate says, "We'll send our first assassin." He's like, "Wait, I have more than one. Just send—you know—send more of them. Send all of them. Whatever." Yeah, so the assassins in order. There's a, was it a Goody Two Shoes is the first one, uh, which is a hall monitor who just walks around beating the shit out of kids with the ever so slightest infraction, like hmm, Black Lives <laughs> he's Matter. He's the only one that he's the only one that really gets any length of time. Uh, like they, they they build him up a bit. He he's like he acts like a robot. He does the robot, and he has like weird pattern to his speech. And as we said before, he has face paint on. Like, clearly in the manga, he was supposed to have some kind of metal jaw thing going on. So they they painted the bottom half of his face blue. He gets into a fight. He briefly puts clothes on uh, Hentai Kalman, which, you know, saps his pervertedness power because he's dressed and they beat him up. But that turns out he was enjoying being beaten up. So he gets up and he wins the fight. Uh, the next boss rushes, there is a nice guy who, not entirely sure what, his stick is as an assassin. He's just a really nice guy who walks around with a surfboard and accidentally bumps people with it occasionally. I think he's just like, he's just like a non-threatening, uh, attractive man, which I guess that's his thing. He gets the power from being that. But then he's very opposed to Hentai Kamen's, you know, sexuality. Uh, the, there's the, the gay stereotype, the super aggressive gay dude. Yeah, let's just uh, let's just go right past that one. Yeah, like, yeah, uh, yeah. He, he, I mean, literally the movie they do too. Like, you know, he says, "Oh, I'm actually a gay stereotype," and but that basically the scene ends and they don't even show him like beating him because, like, <laughs> I almost think the people. Uh, I mean, they could have left it out entirely, but if for some reason they had to do it, they're like, "Yeah, this will be in like 30 seconds of the movie." 
Then there is Slender Fit Man, who is a very fit man, uh, but he has the body type of a fit man from like the 80s or the 70s or 80s, where it's not like lines of muscle. It's just, you know, you can tell he exercises a lot. Yeah, it's like, no, people are more into it this, these days. And Hentai Kamen doesn't really care and beats him up. That, 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 that's it for the boss rush. Well, uh, then they finally send in uh, the actual villain of the piece, a teacher. Yep, he he's their new math teacher, and uh, the the classmate. She like makes some, some people quiet down when they're talking over him in class, and, and in a way he he takes he takes her in for like some extra classes because you know she's a transfer student, she's a bit behind. But on the news around this time, they start finding that some someone who looks like like Hentai Common is running around and flipping up women's skirts. Yep. And uh, you can immediately tell it's a teacher. I mean, like, you know, he's just, he just has panties on his face. You you could tell it's a teacher. No one else can, of course, because comics. He doesn't have, like, the second level of mask underneath it. it it's just obviously the dude. And uh, so, Kiyosuke, he is super angry at the about this, like, because it's hurting his image. And he wants to go stop the guy when he's going to, like, flip up a thousand skirts in a weekend. But then again, his classmate is also kind of inviting him to the pool. And, like, uh, Kiyosuke, for all of him saying he's not a pervert, he's he's kind of freaking out. And, like, by the way he thinks about it, it's like, oh, jeez. Oh, man. He has, like, an argument with, the, like, his alter ego in his mind. is like, you know, I this girl is asking me out, though. And I was like, oh, man, this is a rough situation. I mean, he is supposed to be 16. I I remember, like, the parts that I haven't suppressed in my mind about how awkward I was in 16. I, I remember being awkward at 16. He's like, fighting for justice, but also, like, there's this girl who might like me. That would be a harder decision <laughs> for 16-year-old Sam than I would like to admit. Like, oh, God, actually going on a date with someone that I want to go on a date with? Or save the city. Or date. Or save the city. Or date. Yeah, well, he chooses the date. Yep, but I probably would have too. Yeah, but then his classmate shows up and says, I gotta cancel on you, I I got more lessons with the teacher, and I'll be honest, I actually kind of think I have a crush on him. Uh, so, you know, I, I don't know, I, I'm, obviously this probably won't go anywhere, but I'm gonna, I, I gotta cancel this appointment. Kiyosuke just kind of, like, dead man floats in the pool for a while, then runs off furious to beat up the other dude. And uh, it doesn't work. So it turns out, like, when when Panty Man confronts fake Panty Man, uh, that the fake Panty Man is also powered by the exact same weird sex kink powers that he is. And so it's an even fight. But then the other guy, like, so the the, the teacher, well, let's call it the teacher, whatever. He puts Hentai Common in kind of like a bondage rope tying thing to tie him up. But then he does it to himself, and then just, like, lies on the ground. It's like, oh, man, this is great. And Hentai Kamen starts getting, like, kind of freaked out. It's like, why are you tying yourself up? It's like, oh, you don't know what a, being a pervert really means. And there's, like, a rooftop confrontation <laughs> where the teacher breaks down his whole philosophy of, like, being a way bigger pervert and how, like, in comparison, Hentai Kamen is nothing. Like, you know, your panties... You wear them uh, on the inside next to your face so you can, you know, smell the panties that have been next to a woman. But me, God I'm worth it. Why are me. we talking about this, Harry? What? <laughs> well, someone requested. Fine, fine. 
But it goes into a thing about, like, he puts them on the other way, so, like, he's denying himself the the sentence of it. It's just, and he has this whole, like, masochistic freakout on a roof, and it's it's one of the more effective villain speeches I've seen. It's kink-shaming. This entire movie is kink-shaming. There's nothing inherently It's not wrong. shaming! Okay, I no, don't think no, it's it, shaming, It's actually. literally shaming. That's where he gets his power from. Shame! Well, no, but that is some people's... But that's a kink for some people. Like, don't worry, Sam, this isn't me, like, revealing things about myself, but, like, I've been on the internet to know, like... No, I think this is actually a relatively accurate portrayal of certain subsections of BDSM. Yes, superpowers and all. Okay, yeah, not that part, but, like... Like, being super embarrassed is, like, the that's the, the guy's whole thing, is that he's way more humiliating? Anyway, so he, he takes Hentai Common's mask off. It's like, oh, yeah, I thought so. Anyway, never transform again. So our hero is defeated and sent back to school, uh, at which points the villains celebrate and say, hey, uh, now that we... Now that we have a man on the inside and we control the school, uh, we can burn it down and dig up the money underneath. And again, 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 this is a secret villain organization. Like they have they have a half dozen assassins on payroll. They have so many guards and thugs. They can get people working inside the building at any point. Why couldn't they have just gotten a fucking permit and some jackhammers and just gone downstairs if any kids walked by, they would just say, hey, we're replacing some pipes, move along. And then they they dig up the money. Like, why do they need to do any of this? Are you sure they're paying the assassins? Because this is a weird enough crew, maybe they're all just buds hanging out. Like, the, the teacher guy, I don't think he needs to be paid to do his job. It, it's like a book club or something, or like a weird fetish club that also just knows about a cache of money. Uh, well, yeah, it's time for the... Uh, for the grand finale. So our hero is depowered, and uh, the villains are now control the school, and so they start to beat the shit out of everyone. Uh, Kiyosuke, he gets another set of panties. He keeps stealing them from the rhythmic g- gymnastics uh, locker room, and he feels really bad about it, but it doesn't work. And so he just goes to fight as himself, and actually does reasonably well. Yeah, he's he's taken on he's taken on the groups of villains and through all his fighting, through all his training, he's actually kind of a badass at this point, but the numbers do tell out after a certain point. Yeah. And he just becomes frustrated and humiliated that, you know, after all this he wasn't able to save anybody. But then he realizes, wait a minute, that's that's it. Like I'm I'm not powered by the same stuff as the other guy. My humiliation is from like saving people. It it is it it's it's weird logic. He beats up the first wave of dudes. The teacher guy shows up and Hentai Common says, Yeah, I realize that just because you're more perverted than me, I can actually still beat you up. And the villain's like, shit, I was hoping you wouldn't realize that. <laughs> yeah, so they fight again and there's a lot of... There's a lot of fights. A lot of... A lot of stuff that they do to each other. Yeah, lot, a lot and... of weird... A lot of weird sex fighting. Yep. And uh, our hero wins. And uh, the love interest finally realizes, oh, hey, you've been Panty Man all along. And the villainous Panty Man that everyone turned on uh, was actually the teacher. Oh, no, that's not great. Uh, oh, also, the, I mean, there's a final bit at the end where the crime boss guy, he just has a giant robot and attacks the city or attacks the Again, school. why do they need the fucking buddy? <laughs> they already have a giant mech to attack the city with. We don't know how much money there is. Look, I 
I appreciate their like establishing a reason why they're doing it, but then just not caring much more about it because it's it's the purest um, the writing tool like uh, the Chekhov's gun, the uh, um, make a oh, what's it MacGuffin? Yeah, MacGuffin. It's just a MacGuffin for they need to take over the school, so whatever they got it. Okay. So, and they have assassins and mechs, and they can't do it. Yeah. Uh, so Hentai Comet gets one final power up from the panties of the girl he likes. And, you know, yep. blows up the robot. And uh, the movie ends. Yep. Yep. And we never talk about this again. So you gotta go in knowing that, like, it's problematic in a couple ways and stuff. But, like, other than that, I actually liked the comedic timing and stuff. And I, I don't know. It's better than Thor The Dark World in terms of superhero movies. <laughs> oh, oh, poor Natalie Portman. You deserved yeah. better. And you're getting better now. Well, uh, hopefully they don't. Better. Um, yeah, they haven't started filming yet and with the ruin that Hollywood is right now. And also when they do it, they're probably going to do the cancer storyline anyway. So we'll see. Uh, I mean, we, we don't know the future, but we do know that uh, right now, me and Sam, we're going to, like, transition to a point in the future where we've actually watched, and by we, I mean Sam, has actually watched Power Rangers RPM. There was a movie! Have we ever watched a movie and then watched episodes too, Harry? I'm pretty sure. Oh, oh, by the way, for uh, the Nico Samurai, we watched, like, half of a season of a television show. Well, we didn't have to. We both said that we were going to watch three, and then we just kept watching because it was so delightful. All right, yeah, so the last thing I'm going to do before we, like, fast forward to the another time is I'm just going to go to our podcast page and see if we've ever done this. Oh, yeah, Let, let's do this, Harry. Let's call I am calling it. We have not watched a full movie and also done episodes in the same episode. I'm calling that right now. I mean, there have been a couple times where we were supposed to, but, you know, you forgot to do the episodes. I'm waiting. Man, we covered Ultraman Nexus for a while. There really is yes, just like did. a stretch. There's just just a stretch of our podcast that people shouldn't listen to. Some might say that that stretch is a hundred episodes long. How yeah, cover Black Lightning? Hey, we we could do something disorganized for just watching Black Lightning season two. That's something. That's something to do like next week. Maybe we'll do that. <laughs> uh, there's some really good shit at the start of Black Lightning season two. I haven't finished it. Yeah, Godzilla. We were supposed to do. Like, episodes during that, but you didn't want to. What's that, Harry? Is that the sound of you realizing that I'm right? That I actually I'm... remember shit about our podcast? Well, it's more just that you've consistently failed us in this way, but... <laughs> We've done a lot of episodes. So we're approaching, like, two years to do this. I feel like... I know, we're, we're literally approaching episode 100, and there's... What are we gonna do, Harry? What are we gonna do? I mean, at this rate, we'll be, like, fighting, like frogs falling out of the sky and like like asteroids will be raining down so yeah oh uh okay no you're, you're wrong sam because there's one episode where we covered three episodes and also a movie what is it harry uh episode brokusatsu episode 68 we covered Kamen Rider 0115 gaim 27 and 28 and star wars the rise of skywalker oh shit yeah okay okay all right, I'll give you this one. I was wrong once. All the rest of the time, I was right. But yes, the Rise of Skywalker, because we couldn't, that couldn't just be the only thing in the episode. And okay, I guess when I phrase it that way, that makes <laughs> it say, right, because 
this episode cannot just be about HK. It has actually have some good shit in it. You you can you say that's sad, but for how much we yelled about the rest of Skywalker, that totally could have been all we covered that week. That um, absolutely could have been all we covered that week. But but no, we covered more that week, and we're covering more this week. Cue the time skip. And just like that, we're in the future. Uh, we've taken a couple days to get some stuff in order, and uh, like, no, you know, because I requested it, no doubt, like, we're both all bright-eyed and bushy-tailed, totally ready to do this. Definitely haven't been causing major scheduling problems by taking a nap so long that people genuinely started worrying about your health. Hey, in, in my defense, Harry, I did have a COVID nasal swab between here and the previous recording. Uh, okay. I mean, I'm not feeling 100% in general, but hey, such is life. New, There's a new Java update available. Okay, anyway. Uh, oh, now who's getting distracted? Now who's getting distracted, Harry? I was going to edit that out. I can do that because I'm the perfect editor, and I get to decide how we sound, Sam. So it goes. Uh, anyway, so Power Rangers RPM, episode 16, in or out? Uh, as we join our heroes, uh, we are getting a, a reintroduction to Rangers Silver and Gold. Yeah, Gemma Gemma. And, uh, yeah, Dr. K is introducing them and saying, yeah, so uh, they're the original test pilots of the Ranger series hardware, and they survived. And also, they, they had a talk with me and said that there's a slight chance I may have been emotionally distancing myself from you guys in order to prevent the harm it would cause me in case what if you died so i'm, I'm actually gonna open up to you now and uh, say something nice about each of you <laughs> yes she goes down the line and just says uh something to each ranger in turn that is you know very nice and caring just like a compliment about their fighting ability about their leadership you know goes red blue yellow black and then absolutely stiff screen yeah <laughs> and gives each person a nice big awkward hug along the way. Yeah, I mean, I just briefly. I mean, Scott, Scott's is like you're you're a great leader to have on my team. I'm proud to have you. Your decision making is great. Your hair is interesting, and uh, the show is maybe a little bit much. You're saying like, hey, Scott's hair is weird. When no, it's perfectly normal hair. Yes, it's absolutely normal hair. Like, just move on from the hair politics. Ranger Yellow, she says, hey, I'm such a good friend with you that I've overridden my biological instincts to fight with you for the affection of the males in our vicinity. <laughs> oh, the show was doing so well with the sexism. Blue is basically, you know, you're the heart of the team uh, and you have a weird accent. Mm -hmm. Like Dylan, even though you're clearly psychologically unstable and here against your will as part of a work release, you know, agreement, I still consider you a hero. And then, you know, Green is uh, Green is also the only one she doesn't refer to by name. It's like, uh, you know, uh, good job, Green. They had to uh, have her do the name change because she's going to be calling Gem and Gemma, Gem and Gemma, instead of Ranger Silver and Gold. Because they're old friends. And as this has been going on, uh, Tanaya and some of the generals have been uh, going through the city, and it looks like they're sabotaging uh, air units. 
uh, in like air recyclers throughout the city. Uh, they they just need to cause some damage and get out before the rangers get there. But the rangers show up and they they have a fight. Yep, uh, it's a fight clearly in some kind of brewery. I mean, uh, you know what? It looks like there's like some big uh, kind of containers in the background. People are being slapped around. There's giant fans, and uh, yeah, it looks like uh, the rangers they do well, but then the uh, the generals they spring a trap, and silver and gold need to spring in and save their asses. Mm-hmm. Uh, they do so. The like enemy generals run outside the dome, and silver and gold are about to chase them. But General or Colonel Truman calls on the radio and says, "No, we we need to pull back. Uh, they're trying something new." Uh, by the way, on the subject of silver and gold, I don't think we mentioned just how like smiling, happy, and murderous silver and gold seem to be. No, yeah, they're they're super dope. They think all of this is super dope. Mm-hmm. Yes, they're the happiest, happiest serial killers you have ever met. Uh, a major, like, so their forces are, like, the Vegix forces, they're gathering outside the city, they're, like, massing like they haven't seen before, so a major attack is coming, and Colonel Truman says, alright, here's the plan, we stay this side of the shield forever, that's our plan always, and we're just gonna go with that. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll overcharge the shields, which will make it so that, you know, we can't lower them for a certain amount of time. Uh, and, you know, Gold and Silver basically say, all right, well, then we need to go out there and start, you know, striking at them, you know, before you overcharge the shields. You know, we, that's our thing, hit and run tactics. Yeah, Silver and Gold, they've been proactive the past few years. Uh, we don't get into it much this episode, but it turns out that they've been in a prison camp for quite some time. Uh, but ever since they busted out, they've been leading a bloody campaign of vengeance against the Vengex. That has been completely solo and has lasted years. And... Scott turns to his dad and says, hey, you know, maybe we should start doing more offensive stuff, like, you know, trying to fight the robot army. And Colonel Truman says, no, and put the last city on Earth at risk. No, we stay inside and we'll we'll win that way. Yes, time is on our side against robots who never get old and don't need to breathe or eat. Yeah, or sleep. Mm-hmm. Except for one of them who is secretly not a robot. And who have all the resources of the entire globe except for, like, a couple hundred square miles. Uh, they go to the villain base, and they say, alright, so the humans are overcharging charging the shield, and that's great, because that's totally our, part of our plan, you know. We have a new vacuum robot. Sam, would you like to describe the vacuum robot? It's a walking vacuum machine. I mean, it's it's like a vacuum machine from the 60s. It's a, a vacuum bot, uh, silver and green. It's kind of looks like a it has like a propane heater attachment for a head but otherwise it has like you know an old-fashioned vacuum hose as like a weapon it, it's exactly what you think it is yeah so when the ch- shields are supercharged uh they'll just suck out the oxygen and you know suffocate everybody inside and they won't be able to escape because as as the lieutenant hicks guy keeps reminding colonel truman like it's he says it like five times in this episode you know i must inform you if we supercharge the shields, we won't be able to lower them for a couple hours. Yeah, like, I do appreciate just how proactive these villains are. I know I've said it before, but, like, they have a mission, and they're gonna just fire every shot they got to accomplish it. Back back at the city, uh, Scott, he's looking at some surveys for where the enemy is setting up their base. And through asking around, he realizes that there's kind of like a small tunnel there, which leads into the city. And, you know, they can't get in troops, but they could take out air. And he's like, oh, crap. Oh, crap. It's overcharged. 
and they've been targeting our air recycling units. Oh no. Uh, so he, he goes to, he gets just in time to the edge of the city where his, his dad is about to overturn the shield and says, wait, dad, don't, don't do it. It's an enemy plan. And Colonel, Colonel, Colonel Truman says, nope, doing it anyway. Like, he could have stopped it. He really could have. Uh, and then as the shields are being supercharged, there is that garage door closing in front of them that cuts off the city from the outside world. And Ranger Red decides to roll underneath it to go link up with Gem and Gemma in their bloody vengeance. And uh, C- Colonel Truman looks over to the side at the vent thing where air is already kind of getting sucked in. He's like, I, I fucked this up. I fucked this up. I immediately regret my decisions. So Scott links up with Gemma Gemma. Uh, Gemma Gemma are a little hard to handle. Like, you know, they they almost refuse to split up because they've been together, you know, within a few feet of each other for maybe their entire lives. Um, also, like, they're so just bloody-minded and just hyper-focused on the attack. Like, they, they just want to rush right and just blow everything up. They don't plan. Like, they don't really target any specific areas. They don't really have an overarching theme other than boom. Uh, but but Scott says no. Like Jem, you need to go and draw attention while me and Gemma go in and take out the the suction bot. And so they split up, and they have some pretty good fights. Yes, as this is happening, the Rangers stuck inside the city uh, realize that uh, they need to get out to assist with the fight against the monsters. And so there is that exploding propane gate that I thought was going to be a one off thing from like ten episodes ago. But hey, they. The writers remembered, and it's like the, what the hell is it? Like the the propane or like the heat venting unit. So it's just a gate that has to stay open all the time. The reason it's safe is because there's an explosion there every second. Yeah, but with a shield supercharged, it's like ten times as fast. It's even more the hallway from Galaxy Quest. Why is this even here? Uh, but then the Rangers remember, oh, hey, we have superpowers. So just kind of going down the line, each one of them uses their superpowers to either temporarily disable the gate with yellows or become gods and stop time, be invulnerable or teleport. Yeah, like yellow, it, it's like in a, a RPG thing where everyone is using their ability to get past it. And yellow's player has to be like, I mean, I just have an energy blast. Can I like, can I blast and then get through while the explosions are fighting each other and the dm has to be like you know what everyone else is already through so yeah sure also easily blue or green or even like any of the other three rangers could have like carried her through like she doesn't have a defensive ability she has an offensive ability but the other three absolutely have defensive abilities and so they could have just gotten her through yeah like yellow and red doesn't have to do this because he's already out there but his ability is super speed so literally yellow is the only one who could get through the skate well her offensive ability is weaker than the gun that she has at her waist and that sucks which is why they had to give her all the rest of the training like the the psychic regression stuff to go back to everybody gets outside ziggy is really he's really fine to get some praise from dr k and wants her to use his dang name and she doesn't no, she she refuses. Is that going to be a comedy beat for like the rest of the series? Like, or is she going to say his name like the one episode that we think he might die? Maybe I, I've seen most of the series, but I haven't seen the very end. And it, even then, it was years ago. So, but uh, from there on, I mean, this episode is they they fight the monster, it gets big, they kill it, right? Like, how much more is there in this one? Uh, the gold and silver zords do combine with the rest of the zords. So, is this like the final version of the Megazord? 
No, I mean, this one, it's kind of a, it's kind of a low-tier transformation where they just swap out the arms. Like, on the, the basic Megazord, it could do the thing where it swaps out the the blue and yellow arms for black and green. And on this one, they just swap it out again for gold and silver. Oh, okay. There are more combinations coming. Like, the they got a lot more bits of plastic to sell. <laughs> All right, now on to episode 17. This is a, this is a fun one. Uh, Gemma Gemma, they're looking at some satellite imagery, listing out some potential targets for them to go and strike. Uh, and in a plot point that, again, 100% part of Terminator Salvation, and I think done better here, uh, <laughs> Vengex has a factory where they have human slave workers constructing more Vengex robots. Uh, Gemma Gemma want to completely destroy it. This is the prison where they spent quite a bit of time. I don't think they say how long, uh, but we get the impression that, you know, years maybe tortured, like, not fun. Really not fun. They were forced to work unbearable hours under unspeakably brutal conditions. And, like, they say this while grinning. I mean, they're never not grinning. Scott, he wants to make a plan for this. And while Scott's making a plan, Gemma Gemma just skip off to make explosives. It's explosive, like, blasting putty or something. It looks like a... It looks like a dough starter, what they're working on. But, you know, we'll be powerful enough to take out an entire uh, concrete facility, apparently. I mean, it's some kind of improvised plastique. That That's, uh, I mean, I assume that's how it works. Uh, and as they're doing this, we cut away and we see Ranger Black just kind of wistfully staring off and listening to the song that his uh, watch is playing. So it is time for a What Happens to Ranger Black's Past episode. An alert comes in. There's an attack bot in the city. So the Rangers go out to fight it. Mm -hmm. uh, and... It's a bit weird and empty at first, and, like, they don't know what's going on. But then the bot shows up. It's the Saw bot, which, on the one hand, it's a very basic design. Like, the color palette is, like, very, very dark gunmetal and, like, black shading. And, like, that's it. This might be, like, the darkest, uh, huge attack bot that we've uh, ever seen. But then, like, silhouette-wise, like hands uh shoulders face is just like buzzsaws like his his face is almost like a chain sword just sticking straight up out of it no, and yeah. I, I mean i don't think you know this manga but it's basically robot chainsaw man i mean it, it also kind of looks like you know the the various mega man like saw man villains that yeah it's just a robot covered in saws and spikes and it mm -hmm. starts tearing through the rangers because oh it's yeah it's kicking their asses yeah today explains that They've gotten serious now. This attack bot has no way to attack the city or anything like that. It's just here to kill the rangers. Solo purpose, mono purpose, just take out rangers. Learn their attacks. So when Dr. Light realizes this, she yells at the rangers like, Hey, stop attacking. It's learning too fast from you. <laughs> yeah, and the rangers have to point out, Well, if we stop attacking, then it'll just kill us. And they're kind of at a weird quandary. Yeah, uh, Gemma Gemma drive away the uh, generals, like, uh, there's some uh, comedy where they think that they've exploded everyone and they're just high-fiving that the Rangers have to explain. No, no, they just escaped. That's what it looks like when they escaped. Uh, so, ba back at the garage, uh, Gemma Gemma, they're, they're putting together the putty. Ziggy thinks they're doing some, uh, like, baking, and he eats he eats some of it, and doesn't, like, immediately spit it out, so I I guess it tastes good. Well, I mean, you can make a lot of explosives out of, like, you know, just various oils and flowers and all that stuff. Mm. So, so, 
So, like, it's it's one of those uh, rockets made out of sausage or something. Uh, but as they are making the explosives, uh, they are humming a song that is the song from Ranger Black's uh, uh, watch. Uh, and they, when he storms up and says, hey, that's my plot song. Why, why are you humming my plot song? They have to, they have to say, oh, I mean, it's just this fun song we have while we work. We learned it from this nice girl at the prison camp. This nice girl who we have never seen. Uh, we were never physically in the same room, but we could talk like through the tiniest crack in the wall. Yeah. So we, we, and also she, like, they weren't allowed to use their real names at the camp, so they don't know a real name, which means that she wasn't able to say, hey, my name is, name is Tanaya and my face is Tanaya's face, because I'm definitely Tanaya. Yep. But hey, now the chase is on. Ranger Black absolutely wants to go to this prison base. Apparently, Gem and Gem were just going to nuke it from orbit, um, killing everyone inside, because there's, there's still prisoners in there. At some point, like, acceptable losses. I mean, maybe that's that's kind of just the way they roll. Like, you know, hey, they have, like, two fighter jets, and they can't carry around a lot of passengers. So if people can't get to help themselves, then they just focus on the robots. Do we think that they've done this before? Like, Almost taken... assuredly. <laughs> How much blood is on Gemma Gemma's hands? None, because it, it all gets washed away by the suit. But yeah, so uh, now Ranger Black, like he demands to go. The rest of the team says, hey, hey, we're we're on your side, but let's plan this out. Let's wait. And Black says, OK, and then immediately leaves. Yeah, like Dylan, we're we're your friends and we're totally willing to help with your plot relevant stuff. But just give, give us like five minutes to come up with a plan or some kind of thing. And by the time they decide this, Dylan's already ripped the spark plugs out of their cars and driven away. Of course, he didn't do this too well, because as it turns out, uh, Ziggy hitched a ride with him, and then Ranger Yellow catches up, like, you know, two minutes afterwards, uh, with the motorcycle that I guess he ignored and didn't uh, rip the spark plugs out of. Maybe Yellow is just smart enough to have spare spark plugs. She hides her motorcycle for plot-relevant reasons. Well, she just doesn't want people to keep, you know, messing with it. Uh, so, yep, yeah, uh, they, they all link up in the Badlands. They go to the prison base. Yeah, but it's a little, they have a little trouble getting there because the map drawn by Gemma Gemma is like filled with rainbows and unicorns. And they're like, is the unicorn the enemy base? Like, what what's going on here? Turns out that the unicorn's horn was pointing beneath a rainbow, which indicated that that was the direction that they needed to go. Uh, back at base, uh, Ranger Blue is, he's making another fruit smoothie. He keeps doing this. I mean, fruit smoothies are delicious. And, you know, if, if that's a part of your, like, you know, macros, then you should be having them every day. Gemma Gemma left a nice card for Dr. K on a, you know, butterfly. And, like, she's she's annoyed uh, that they've betrayed her and, like, you know, got off on their own. But she's still spying because they ended with hug, hug, kiss, kiss friends forever. <laughs> it, it's just fun, you know, watching Dr. K interact so differently with somebody. I mean, it's not betrayal. Like, you know, Silver and Gold, they're not actually on the team. Like, they are the outsiders that, you know, are their partners with the team, but they are very much their own independent unit, too. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it, we're, we're just seeing a lot of they're, they're fun and they're definitely on the right side of stuff, but they don't really know Chain of Command that well because they've just been fighting war by themselves for, by themselves, by themselves for three years. Uh, they also don't know Mercy, they don't know Collateral Damage, uh, they don't know how many innocent civilians they have killed. And you know what? They sleep just fine at night. Uh, Dylan, Ziggy, and Summer, they're all at the base. They uh, steal some uniforms for the prisoners and sneak in while the robots are doing their Metal Gear 
solid patrol routes. Yeah, uh, there's a little bit of comedy antics where Ziggy is left behind to cause distractions and allow uh, Rangers Black and Yellow to get to the central computer and actually look up some of the uh, prisoner information. The computer, it's dis- its display is basically just the code from the Matrix, and Summer's like, I- we can't read this, but Dylan can. So he scrolls through really quick, he's finding more and more records, uh, looking for a sister, but Summer is noticing something. And so Summer downloads a little information on the side, uh, just in time for the baddies uh, to come in and nuke the computer. Uh, as Ranger Black uh, got to the uh, got to the cell where his sister was located, and confirmed it. Like, yes, they had one former blind prisoner that is no longer there. Uh, they have to run out. Ziggy he uses his shadow puppet skill that he mentioned in like episode two. Yeah, a lot of callbacks for stuff that I thought was one off gags. And, uh, no, like, the writers, much applause to them. They have a thick, like, story bible, and they keep track of this shit. They they get back to the city, and all of the rangers together are able to kill the chainsaw bot, and then get into a big mech and kill it again. Uh, and as they're celebrating uh, back at base, uh, Ranger, Ye- uh, Ranger Red is about to uh, yell at uh, Ranger Black, uh, but then Ranger Black points out, hey... I got confirmation that my sister was there and is still alive. And so the team is happy and all get together until a Ranger Yellow drops her bomb. Speaking of dropping bombs, um, the Vengex aren't just making grinders there like the Mooks. They're developing a new aerial bombardment platform that could just blow through the shield of the city and wipe them out in one go. Why, it's almost as though robots have... uh, robots, when they have unlimited time and resources, will use those unlimited time and resources. Yeah, they've been playing up their tech tree, and, you know, they're, they're getting kind of far along. And if they don't stop it right now, the war is over. And that's where we're going to start next episode. Uh, so, yeah, and uh, so next week we are covering two episodes of Power Rangers RPM. And uh, as part of our, like, continuing mishmash coverage... Uh, we are also going to cover whatever the hell Sab wants us to, because he God was really anno- because he was really in- well. Sab, you were so complaining about what we did this time. I mean, this is true. Yes, that's absolutely true. And you know what, Harry? I'm going to do my research. I'm going to make us watch something fucking awesome for this next week. Are you oh. ready for that? Oh, ra- raising the stakes. You're you're not yeah. just gonna well, appear to get your ass blown out of the water in one week. By uh, what Sam is going to force us to watch. But until then, what are we going to keep doing to keep limber? We're going to keep dancing. Mm-hmm.